Uh, you know, I was thinking back um, uh, on my own church background and growing up in Jamaica, and, and um, you know, I really didn't go to church, to be honest with you, uh, once or twice a year, Christmas, Easter kind of thing. And, and the church that we did attend, um, nobody really talked about their faith, you know, um, you know, it was kind of like the, the, the party line was you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion. And, you know, in some, and actually in many areas here in this culture, it's pretty much the same way. Don't talk about church and don't talk about politics, except that people tend to talk about politics, but just, just not religion, you know. And I, I came to faith in my mid-20s. I was about 26 years old, and, I, you know, I was just trying to understand who this Jesus was, you know, I mean, you know, when you stop and think about it, whenever you write the date, you're acknowledging that there was a man who lived here some roughly 2,023 years ago that lived on this planet. And so every time we write a date, we're, we're acknowledging this man who shaped human history. And so I, I figured, you know, I, I got to learn a little something about him. You know, I, I'm an engineer by background, and so, you know, I, I, you know things have to make sense to me. And so I, I went on this deep dive. I've got to figure out who this man is. And came to a place where I yielded and recognized God did become flesh and dwelt among us as a human being. And, and, and I came to this place after... Years, literally years of searching, trying to, trying to discern this. And, and the moment I said yes to Jesus, I was just like, I have found it. I found what I was looking for. I was looking in a lot of different directions, but I found the truth. And so I came away from that just so excited. I just started telling everybody about it. I started telling everybody what I had known, that I was separated from God by my sin, but God bridged the gap. He made a way through his beloved son. And even someone like me, he wanted to have a relationship with. And he, he wants this for everyone. So I decided telling people. And it was kind of surprising because the number of people said, look, back off, buddy. <laughs> you know, and I have to confess that, that my approach was sometimes overzealous. Sometimes I just wanted to, like, shove it down people's throats. And, you know, I, I was operating out of genuine zeal but without proper knowledge. And, and uh, you know, so every once in a while I started saying, Brian, why not just keep it to yourself? Why not keep it to yourself? And I'm sure that there were many others that I was speaking to that were saying the same thing. Why not keep it to yourself? And, you know, I, I, if you're here today and maybe you're searching and seeking, trying to understand this Christianity, maybe you've asked that question. Why is that Christians feel like they just have to talk about their faith all the time? Why not keep it to yourself? And maybe you've been a believer for a long time and, you know, you've heard the Great Commission. The Great Commission is that, that mission that Jesus gave every believer just before he ascended to be with the Father. This is found in Matthew 28, where he says, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. We talked a little bit about that last week. But that, the fact that all authority belongs to him, he's saying, Heads up, listen to what I'm saying. This is a mandate. Therefore, go, or more literally, as you are going, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and 
teaching them to obey all I have commanded with you. And then he gives us this, this promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, Jesus is in this room right now. You know, he's with, with us, very present, and he wants to speak to your heart this morning. And yes, he wants to use this broken earthen vessel to communicate some truth to you this morning. Did you know that? And he's with every gathering of believers right now, and he's focused on each and every one of us. This is the kind of God that we serve. And yet you've heard that, and maybe you've said to yourself, well, well, well that's for those who have the gift of evangelism. Oh, that's for preachers. That's not for me. Maybe I should keep it to myself, too. Well, I want to put it to you that it's for all of us. And so we're about to launch this morning a message series called, Why Not Keep It to Yourself? But it's a call to share a faith. You, you are called, if you belong to Jesus, to share your faith. And as we go through these four weeks together, my prayer for each one of us is that you'll be encouraged. You'll know that this is something you can do. And I recognize that this is an area of Christian living that most of us here in North America are very weak in. We feel intimidated by it. Maybe you've had some bad experiences. Maybe you've had some uh, rejections. Maybe you've been taught methods that, that, that uh, just feel uncomfortable to you. I want to encourage you through this series that this is something that you are called to do and that you can do. We're going to launch today with a message I'm calling the Gospel Mandate. And I'm going to be speaking from 1 Corinthians 15. Um, if you are able, could you stand for the reading of God's Word? I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 11 from 1 Corinthians 15. Can you hear me okay, sister? Blessings. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And last of all he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Thank you for asking that. An apostle was, were these 12 men that Jesus called to be with him to, so that he could uh, teach them and also just to, to be companions of, of, uh, with him. Thank you for asking that, Adam. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. The word of the Lord. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this love letter from heaven 
that you have given to us that we might understand your love. That, Lord, you speak by your Spirit through this amazing gospel. I pray today that you would speak to every heart. Lord, even as you have spoken to my heart, I pray, God, the things that are said, Lord, would spur us on, encourage us, remind us that you are with us and for us, and you meet us right where we are, and you have begun this good work in us, and you will carry it on to completion. Do a mighty work in our lives, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks. So, so this passage that I just read to you is written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, thank you, Adam, for asking a question about what an apostle were. The original 12 apostles were those men Jesus called to be with him. It's, it speaks to, again, the, the need for every single human being for companionship. This is the calling for church community that we're called to be with one another. And, and Paul now, uh, I'll say some more about this uh, through the message, but, but he came to, to faith in Jesus after he had actually been crucified, and, and, and he took on the, the mantle of an apostle, one who has seen the Lord Jesus Christ and is proclaiming him. And he's writing to a church in a town called Corinth. When you see uh, these letters in the Bible, Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, these are letters written to churches in these cities, Rome and Corinth and Ephesus, etc. And the first Corinthians means it's, this is his first letter to the church. The, the chapters and verses were added after uh, so that we could have uh, reference. So when I say, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1, we know how to get there. But these were just letters written in uh, Koine Greek, the, the rough Greek language of the day. And he's writing to these churches. And this particular church was a church who, uh, well, of uh, by definition of being a church, they knew Jesus, but they were just walking in ways that were somewhat contrary to the gospel. He's, he's writing uh, largely to rebuke them for bad behavior. But he loves this church, and God loves his church. And even when we behave badly, God loves us, and nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And as he's writing to them now, he, he, he wants to remind them of where they began. Because, you know, Christians, we can forget, amen? I mean, I, mean, I would imagine that even as I'm speaking to us, there's some of us, right, if we're honest, we're going to say, yeah, I, I've drifted away. I've drifted away, and, and my life doesn't look any different from someone outside of the church. And God is always wooing us, drawing us back to himself. And I believe this morning he wants to draw us close to himself, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done. He's drawing us back to himself. And, and so he, he writes now to remind them of these things that they've known. By the way, this is why we gather together on a Sunday, because, you know, there's oftentimes not much you're going to hear on a Sunday morning. You said, oh, I've never heard that before. If you've, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, it's not going to be brand new to you. But, 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 but it's a reminder, because we are so absolutely forgetful. And just as, who remembers what they had for breakfast this morning? Amen, most of us. I had bacon and eggs. Lord, Lord, thank you for making all foods clean. 
But I don't remember what I had on Tuesday last week. I, I, I forget these things, and we're fed God's word, and we forget. So we need to, be, to have that continual reminder, and he's now reminding them. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. The gospel. That word gospel literally means good news. That's what the word means. It's good news. And, and, and you know, when we, when we speak of the gospel today, we, we generally are thinking, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about God's word to us, this good news, this gospel. But, you know, that word, when it was even used in that culture, it didn't necessarily mean the good news of Jesus Christ. It just meant good news. It's just good news. So he wants to say, I, I want to remind you of the good news I preach to you. It's good which you received. It's one thing for me to give the gospel or God to say, I have given my son. God so loved the world, he gave his son. But not everybody has received it. We have to receive it. And he says, you, you received this. Corinthians, you received this gospel, so you can't be behaving the way you've been behaving. You received it. I think of the letter he wrote to the, the church of the Thessalonians. He said, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. They received it. And he said that you received on which you have taken your stand. This is my stand. This is what I live for. I live for this gospel. For every believer, we have to receive and we have to say, I have now conviction. This is how I live. This is my stand. The world gives us all kinds of places that it says you're to stand on, but those are shaky ground. Those are going to topple beneath you. The word of God is telling us that God has given us this good news for us to receive on which to stand. And he says, by this gospel, by this good news, you're saved. Saved from what? Saved from the, the consequences of our sin, which separate us from God. We are sinners. And the salvation, when the Bible speaks of you being saved, it's saved from the consequence of sin, which is eternal separation from God. God loves each and every human being and gave his beloved son and said, here's the way. I want to give you, I want to bring you into relationship with me. I want to save you from being separated from me. He says, by this good news you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. What is he saying here? Is he saying that we can lose this? Because somebody could say, well, well, I, I've lost my salvation. That's not where he's coming from. He's saying that we have that assurance that our faith is real when we hold on to it. I, I can't say that I believe something, but I don't live according to what I believe. Right? If, if I tell you that if I, if I jump off the, 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 the second floor of, of my home uh, and I jump head first, I probably am going to die and then I do it. Either I want to die or I don't really believe it. You, you can't say you believe something but you don't live according to it. 
There is, biblical belief is much, much more than giving intellectual assent to something. Okay, so, so we can say, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross and was raised from the dead. But, you know, the devil believes that too. Demons believe all of that and they believe in God. And the Bible says, but they shudder. So, so what he's saying here is that there's shudder, to, to, to be scared, to be afraid. The, the demons are afraid when they think about God. That's what it's saying, Adam. Right? Demons are afraid of God. But they believe. They, they know it's true. And so it's not enough for us to say, it's true. Biblical belief says, no, I stand on it. I receive it. I hold on it. And I hold firmly to what is true. And so he's saying to these, this, these Christians in Corinth, remind yourself of this. Remind yourself of this. He writes in his second letter to them where they have responded favorably. And he even says to them, you know, I know my first letter was a sting. But it was good because you've responded well. And then he says in that letter to them, he says, examine yourselves to see whether are you, you are in the faith. Test yourselves. How, how do we test ourselves? By saying, okay, Jesus, you said this is how I'm supposed to live. Uh, am I yielding to you day by day? It doesn't mean that I don't fall short because I still have this sin nature in me. But, but when I see my sin, I confess it and I say, God, I want to live for you. And I, that's how we walk with the Lord. We keep that time period between when I sin and when I acknowledge that sin and confess it. I keep that time period narrow. That's, what, that's how we test ourselves. It says test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. So this is what genuine faith is looking like. He's saying that this is the gospel I preach to you. This is the good news that you received. That you have said, I'm taking my standard, and now I'm going to hold firm. You see, you see, there's this past sense. It happened. Yes, I said yes to you, Jesus, April 24th, 1988. Jesus, I, I, you're my Lord and Savior. I've fallen many times, but I get back up. I stand on this gospel, and I'm going to hold firm to it. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. And so he says now in verse 3, For I received... For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing that you need to know about life, the universe, and everything. This is the most important thing. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Cephas is, Paul, is Peter, by the way. Basically what he's communicating to, to us is this is not uh, just some religious philosophy. He's saying this is rooted in human history. This happened. That Christ died. Was buried. In case you were wondering, you know, there, there are many who... Try to explain away uh, people seeing him again because maybe he just swooned on the cross is, is what they're saying. No, no, he died. He was buried and raised on the third day and then appeared. What I want you to get, because this series, again, is about this call to share a faith. 
And I, again, I can empathize with each one of us. I know sometimes, particularly in this post-Christian culture in which we're living, it just feels, I, I don't know how to do this. You know, no one seems responsive. I, I, I've had too many rejections. You know, I, I don't feel like knocking on doors. I don't, you know, all these kinds of things are go, swirl through our mind. But I want to proclaim to you that the power of this gospel is the cross. It's not how articulate you are. It's not how well your techniques are. It, the power of the gospel is the cross. It's the cross that in real human history, God became flesh. He dwelt among us. We see him, many descriptions of his miracles. And I know that people want to write off this gospel because of the very fact that it speaks of miracles. But if there is a God in heaven, imagine, if you will, that there is a God in heaven. What would be too difficult for him? If he can create all of the universe, if, he, if you believe there's a God who can communicate from heaven to your spirit, by his spirit, what would be too difficult for him? So Jesus comes, he, he, he authenticates his own ministry through signs and wonders, but the ultimate sign and wonder is him being raised from the dead. The power of this gospel is the cross. It's not me or you. Now, now, listen, listen to, to, to why this is so critical. Uh, I, I want to urge you to read this for yourself afterwards. As you go down this chapter in chapter 15, he talks about why the cross is the linchpin of our faith. He says, if it has been preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. What I do for a living, what I've given my life to, it's absolutely useless. It is, and so is your faith. There, you know, we've seen over the, uh, since, the since COVID, you know, church attendance drops off and people get comfortable staying at home. But, you know, you, you kind of say, was there real faith? More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. And if he did not raise him from the, from, the, from the dead, the dead are not raised. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, that's a euphemism for, for saying who have died. He says that they're lost. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we have all people most to be pitied. If, if, if you know, really, you know, if... if if all this is fake, then pitied. When you pity somebody, Adam, you're going, oh, poor soul. <laughs> oh, the, oh, it's nice that you have this faith, but oh. And there are those who look at us just like that. And Paul is saying, I agree with you. If there's no re resurrection, that is how you ought to view the Christian. I, I have, I think of my college roommate, Charlie. I know you won't be watching this anytime soon. But if you ever do, remember this. That's how you looked at me. All these Christians gathering, raising their hands. Ain't nothing there. Yeah, I would pity that too if it wasn't real. But it is real. It's real. Christ has been raised from the dead. And this is what he says. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. So we too can be sure of our own resurrection. That I'm going to be raised from the dead too. And I don't have to fear death and you don't have to fear death. This is the power of the gospel. 
Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, you know, I, I, I've, I've told you guys this all the time. I, I pray for, if, you, if this is your church home, I'm praying for you two, three times a week by name. I'm going through the church roster. I'm seeing your face. And I want to ask you to do the same thing for your brothers and sisters. But there is, I know some specific needs that you have, but sometimes I'm not sure exactly how to pray for you. So I, I look to Scripture to help me to pray for you. And one of those prayers I pray for you every week comes out of the first chapter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have called, been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And, now listen to this carefully, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Uh, Listen to how he describes this power now. That power that's in you, that's in me, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you get what he's saying here? Yeah, I know, just as you do, I'm a rational person, that nobody's raised from the dead on their own. That requires great power. And what I'm saying to you is that the power of the gospel is the cross. And I'm telling you that the scriptures declare that that same power that raised Christ from the dead now resides in us. So, so, so what does that say about me trying to do this on my it's, it's not about me. It's not about me. And, and, and again, this morning, I just want to give you a foundation for where we're going. Because I know we're, sometimes I don't know how to do this. But I want to say it's all available to every one of us. And this power, the cross, is available to you and resides within you. And I don't fully understand it all, but I know it's true. And as we grow in this relationship with God, we understand he's ready to do powerful things in and through us. He goes on in verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or died. He's saying, if you're doubting me, just, just there are people all around you who can declare, we've seen Christ raised from the dead. To doubt something says, I'm not sure if I believe it. That's what doubt is. And he's saying to his readers, if you doubt that this gospel is true, if, you don't, if you're kind of wondering if it is true, go and ask the 500 plus people who have seen it. This gospel is rooted in history. Then he appeared to James, who was the brother of, of Jesus. Then to all the apostles. We can read about some of this in the gospels. And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. Now, he's not just talking about just his, he's speaking of his spiritual birth. That's what he's talking about. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. This is not a false humility that you're hearing from him. He's writing out of a brokenness. He recognizes that he was 
actively persecuting God's church. You know, when the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was stoned to death, it tells us in the book of Acts in chapter 8 that Saul was there giving approval to their killing him. And it goes on in that same chapter 8, it says in verse 3, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This, is, this, this Saul became Paul who's writing these letters. And so he says, I'm the least of the apostles. You know, if you want a reason to believe this faith, you know, somebody could say, well, Paul, just was, he was just crazy. You know, I mean, he just, oh, you know, he's so overzealous. But this is a man who is actively persecuting the church. And then in chapter 9, it, it describes his conversion where he's on the road to Damascus. And he, he has this plan. He pulls out his to-do. One item, persecute the church. <laughs> and he's on his way to Damascus to do what he's been doing. And there's this dramatic conversion. We read about it in Acts 9 again where this bright light comes out of heaven and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. He, 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 he describes us, the bride of Christ, his church as himself. You're persecuting me when you, when you persecute the least of these. And Paul is transformed. He comes to faith. Now again, somebody could read that and go, oh, that's just all make-believe. But here's the thing about Paul. His, his transformation, he writes about this in the, in the book of Galatians. How, how when he came to faith, initially all the, uh, the apostles, those who had been with Jesus, they're going, don't trust this guy. He's been persecuting the church. But when they get with him, they start understanding the things he's teaching are exactly in sync with what Jesus taught us face to face over three years. So there's something supernatural about this. And, and there is no human explanation for that apart from that this is real. This gospel is real. And so he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Read the rest of chapter 9 in Acts and you'll see the conversion, what happened and how he began just immediately proclaiming the gospel, the good news to those around him. And this is the second thing I want us to, to, to get this morning, that the grace of God can soften the hardest heart. You might be thinking right now about your, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, who just seems so hard, and you're saying, there is no way they're ever going to receive Jesus. They're too hard. I've tried. And there's no way. I want to say to you again, don't doubt what God can do. He can soften the hardest of hearts. This is a man who is actively persecuting the church. Stephen is stoned to death. He says, yes, put him to death. He's going around putting people in jail. And he's now saying, Jesus is my life. He's changed me. He's transformed me. Now, I wasn't at the place of Paul. But if any of you knew me when I was growing up, you'd say, there is no way this dude can come to Jesus. I had friends in high school who were Christians who never shared Jesus with me because of the hard exterior that I carried. I was always fighting and I was acting like I was better than I was. 
And, and, and I look at that and go, why wouldn't they share Jesus with me? And the, the honest truth is, even though I was carrying myself that way, I was very open to, to the things of God. I, 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 I was open. I mean, you wouldn't look, know that by looking at the scowl on my face. And so what I'm saying to you is that as you think about those friends, neighbors, associates, co-workers who are around you who seem so hard, don't doubt that God can soften the hardest of hearts. This is God's work. We're going to talk some more about that next week as we, as we, we move forward. But I want to invite each of you to understand, again, in the context of God being the one who does this. We're going to have a prayer gathering on Thursday. You know, we had, I said last week we were going to plan for it for this coming week. But uh, just so you know, uh, the painting is going to begin in here. You've probably seen the changes happening, and oh, um, I want to say, where's Jim? Jim, thank you again for leading us in this project. It's been fantastic. I know Jim has been a little frustrated at the speed. It's going too slowly, and we're going, this is happening fast. What are you talking about? So anyway, appreciate, appreciate you so much, brother. But this coming week, we are going to have painters in here, which also means that the life groups that meet here during the week won't be meeting this week, just so you know. And, uh, uh, and we're postponing the prayer gathering that we were going to have on Wednesday to, to the following Thursday. So put that on your calendars and join with us. And, and, and let's believe God to, to, to take that time of corporate prayer. There's something powerful about two or three coming together in the name of Jesus and, and believing God for salvation of our friends and our relatives and associates and neighbors and co-workers. And let's believe God for mighty things together. And so he closes this section by saying, whether it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what we believe. This is the gospel mandate. That word mandate means you have to do it. And God has given us a mandate. This is not optional for the Christian. But my brothers and sisters, as we go through these weeks together, I, I, I'm asking us each just to have an openness and say, God, will you use me? Can you use me? And I want to say to you up front, yes. This is not as difficult as we think it is. Yes, God wants to use us. You are here today because faithful brothers and sisters through the generations have passed this faith along. And the generations to come will hear it because you and I will be faithful to preach this good news. I'll tell you a little story. I was, um, <laughs> I was coming up from, from Atlanta. By the way, I'm batching it this week. My, my girls are down in Atlanta. Maria, if you're watching... Hey, sweetie, I, I hope I can hang in there this week. Uh, they're at a wedding. We have uh, 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 my daughter's good friend that she went to college with. She's getting married. I wanted to be there. And Gina, if you're watching this, blessings on you. Have a wonderful day today and a great marriage. So, you know, we're down in Atlanta whenever we can get down there. I've got a granddaughter down there. I love my daughter, but it's my granddaughter that pulls me down there. Jasmine, you know that. <laughs> So we're coming back up, and, and um, I don't know about you, but when you're traveling, you have, have like, go-to places you like to go to, to eat. You know, like, I can trust this place. This is the kind of place I, I know to eat. We all have our favorites. So, so we have this favorite place that we, we like to go to, or, or liked to go to, and we, we stopped at this little town out of Spring, a, a, a little mall outside of Springfield. And um, so I, we go to our go-to place, 
and we're going, and they ain't have no food. I mean, every little item for the for the for the the bowls and other things we want to make, they didn't have anything. I was like, done. So we we start driving, and we pass by this little chicken place. And at first, I'm like, ah, oh, chicken, yeah. And I stopped and started talking about it's you know non-GMO, blah 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 blah, healthy chicken. I said, hey, let's try it out. And let me tell you, it was the best chicken sandwich I have ever had. It, I'm not here to endorse any businesses right now, okay? If you want to know about it, come and check with me after. But it was the very best chicken sandwich I've had. And spoiler alert, it wasn't Chick-fil-A. And I love me some Chick-fil-A. <laughs> And I was like, as soon as we we're done, I just started calling people. So I said, this is best. I, I, my daughter was coming back. I said, you got to stop there to get your chicken. Why, why, am I, why was I doing that? It was good news. It was good news. And, and this is what we need to remember. Good news is meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. This gospel is way beyond a chicken sandwich. No, no, I know what happens, you know. You, 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 you tell your friend about this chicken sandwich and they go, well, I'm vegan. And, and you share your, your faith with someone. They say, well, I'm an atheist or I'm a this or I'm a that. And it feels sort of demoralizing. Well, okay, well, I won't tell you anymore. <laughs> you know, but this good news is way beyond a chicken sandwich. It's about life with Jesus. It's about knowing the God of all the universe. It's not simply about now my sins are taken care of. That is included. But it is that I have access now to the throne of grace. And and, and when I'm feeling downcast, God is there to lift my head. And when I'm full of joy, he, he, he multiplies that joy. This is good news. And good news is meant to be shared. That's why you can't keep it to yourself. It can't be kept to yourself. But the next thing, and this is what we're going to learn over these next three weeks as we do this together. When God calls us, he equips us. So God has called us to share our faith. He's called you and me to share our faith. And he will equip you. And I recognize as, you know, pastors and teachers and evangelists, part of our responsibility is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, Again, in in traditional church circles, no, the ministers do all the work. And, And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, no, our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we want to equip you to do this. But you need to know God is there. God is going to do this through you. So don't don't shy away from this. Lean into it. Uh, On October 7th, when we complete this series, on that Saturday, we're planning for a two-hour training session. We're calling One Step Closer, helping people get one step closer to Jesus. And we'll have it interactive. So as we go through this series, you might have lots of questions that you want to talk about. We're going to have that Saturday session to do that. So sign up even from now. Block it off on your calendar. Make sure that you're there. Uh, you, You know, God wants to equip you, but you've got to make the way for him to do so. So put that on your calendar. Again, you're here this morning. I know on any given Sunday morning, we are at different places. If you're here seeking to know the Lord, 
You've heard the gospel proclaimed. Christ died for, sin, for sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on that third day. And he did that because he was taking punishment for you, for your sins. And he loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you've got more questions than that, we want to be there to help you through that. If you're, again, just in the process, keep coming. This will become clarified for you. But don't leave today without, again, getting, making sure that that is made clear in your own heart and that you can press into a real relationship with Jesus. We're going to go to God in prayer, right? And I'm going to ask the, the, uh, the prayer team to, to, to come up as we go to prayer. Then we're going to be, be partaking of what's called communion or the Lord's Supper. This is a meal for those who have said yes to Jesus. It's, it is a proclamation of this gospel. These elements, the uh, the, the, the bread, the fruit of the vine, represent Jesus' broken body, his shed blood. And Jesus told us that, that uh, in these elements that we are proclaiming his death until he comes again. And so I'm going to say a word of prayer for us. And then, uh, Mike, could you, could you help me with the distribution? Uh, we'll distri- distribute this. You can come from the side as you, as you feel led and, uh, and take of these elements uh, just so you know. They can, you know. If you've never used one of these, it can be a little tricky. There's a, there's a covering on top that peels back to reveal the, 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 uh, the bread and then another one for the fruit of the vine. And so let me pray first right now. Jesus, um, thank you so, so much for this good news. The most important thing that we will ever know in this life is that you have loved us. You died for us, Jesus, and you were raised from the dead. I want to pray, God, for that person who has heard this and maybe for the first time is saying, I understand now. If that's you... Just repeat in your heart, Jesus, I am a sinner, but I thank you that you died for my sins and that you did come and show us what life looks like. And you died, you were buried, and you were raised from the dead three days later. And today, I trust you. I trust you to be my Lord and my God and my Savior. God, this is my prayer for every one of us in this room, that we would trust you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.